Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Understanding what's happening in Israel is very important because if we listen to American media, we don't get the story. What we get is Representative Rashida Tlaib, Representative Ilhan Omar, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Andre Carson saying things like free Palestine. But what they aren't discussing is by saying free Palestine, you're calling for your own levels of violence. Rallies in New York and Los Angeles and Indianapolis, Indiana doing the same. But yet not honest conversations about what it is that's happening, the rockets, which are missiles that are falling. You have news reports of, you see, the Iron Dome, which protects Israelis, may work, but that's also leading to more of the problem. Yet no conversation of Hamas as a terrorist organization. That is the issue. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is great to be with you. Go to TonyKatz.com, get the podcast, support the show, and don't miss any of the show. You'll get all the information and the latest writings there. Daniel Ashheim joins us right now uh, from uh, uh, the uh, Consulate General of Israel to the Midwest uh, on public diplomacy. Sir, good to have you with us. Uh, glad to have the opportunity. Let us talk about what it is we're seeing in Israel right now. What is the latest? So thank you very much, Tony, for having me on the show. What we are experiencing right now is a continuation of a bombardment of missiles shot from Gaza from, by the Hamas terrorist organization at civilians all over Israel, from the north to the south, throughout the cities and metropolis, small villages, aiming at civilians, parents, children alike. And this escalation is continuing. So what Israel is trying to do is to use its moral rights for self-defense. And based on that, we are targeting Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip, doing everything possible to avoid civilian casualties. And we are, there are discussions in the last few days about potential ceasefire, but we have to guarantee before Israel accepts the ceasefire, we have to guarantee that this is going to be a sustainable, long-lasting ceasefire, which means Hamas terrorists are deteriorated, are also deterred. And we know that this will not something that reoccur again in one month or one week, but we'll make sure this is the benefits of the Palestinian side and the Israeli side. Right but don't we, don't we agree that when you're talking about Hamas, whose charter states uh, the eradication of Israel, how do you have a ceasefire that has any level of lasting? That's a very good question, Tony. As we saw before, Hamas, unfortunately, wakes up in the middle of a bright day, or not a bright day, and decides to shoot rockets and missiles at Israeli citizens. And this is not because of a specific happening, something to do with Jerusalem, as they claimed, or something to do with a holiday, or something to do with another interest. Their interest is part of their ideology. Their ideology is to destroy the only Jewish state, the state of Israel. And by doing that, they are harming civilians, Arab, Muslim, Christians, Jews in Israel, regardless there was a child young five-year-old muslim child who was shot to death with a missile from hamas to israel and you're right this is something we'll not have a long-lasting peace with them but they have to understand they need to understand that when they attack israel they don't need to think once or twice they need to think 50 100 times before and it's their choice whether they want a future for the palestinian people a thriving economy in the beautiful part of the area on the ocean on the sea, sorry, the Mediterranean Sea, or they want to make it a terrorist haven like they're doing now. It's their choice. 
Talking to Daniel Ashheim, uh, Council for Public uh, Diplomacy, Consulate General of Israel uh, to the Midwest. It's an interesting way you, you phrased that, sir. And part of it could just be uh, a, a cultural difference in the idiom, or, or maybe you mean it more specifically. The idea of that it's their choice. Uh, that That is, I don't mind that language, mind you, but that's a very direct conversation that Hamas is making a choice. That is a very directed or pointed type of discussion. Have things changed in the view of Israelis on the ground with and how they deal with Hamas that maybe there's a little bit more finality into how this has to happen? Look, we're looking in a real politic point of view. In 2005, Israel did the unilateral disengagement plan from the Gaza Strip, which made it, they gave them the independence to do whatever they want to do with that piece of land. And the Palestinian Authority that controlled there was kicked out in, with force by Hamas terrorist organization. And they killed some, they left the others uh, without jobs, and they're controlling their de facto. If we like that, definitely not. If we'd like to see that continuing, definitely not. But this is the the current situation on the ground. And Hamas, as those who are controlling and have responsibility currently on that piece of land, had the choice. And in 2005, they could have used the money, the millions of dollars coming in for humanitarian aid in order to build a thriving economy, schools. They could have done tourism networks there. And instead of that, they use it for building underground tunnels all throughout the city of Gaza and throughout the Gaza Strip. They use it to build missiles to shoot at Israelis. So these millions of dollars could have helped Palestinian people, but they chose not to do it. And that's very, very unfortunate. Talk to me about humanitarian aid for a moment. I came across a piece uh, that showed that it was Israelis who still, during what's happening right now, are trying to bring aid to uh, the Palestinians in Gaza, and they are being attacked by Hamas. Is that true? That is true. So Israel, what Israel does, not only this military operation, but also throughout, Israel differentiates very clearly between the civilian population in Gaza and the terrorist regime of Hamas. And by doing that, it's very important that the Palestinian people living in Gaza will understand Israel is not against them. Israel against, are against the Hamas that hijacked the Palestinian people for their causes. And therefore, we allow and we facilitate humanitarian aid coming through the different crossings between Israel and the Gaza Strip. What you're talking about also happened yesterday. Israel allowed trucks with humanitarian aid and supplies coming from Jordan and coming from other places. And the minutes that we opened the crossing, Hamas shot rockets there, so the trucks were able to move forward. The minute they, they put the gas and the, uh, things inside the Palestinian side, they shot rockets without end, and Israel needed to close it. So this just shows the cynicism and the way that Hamas treats even humanitarian aid, the way they take advantage and exploit it. Talking to Daniel Ashheim, Council for Public Diplomacy, Consulate General of Israel, to the Midwest. In this idea of public diplomacy, you've got you you walk a tightrope, sir. I mean, that's that's just very obvious. It's in it's in the name, and so therefore you're one of the people who has to engage with those in in the Midwest and and throughout the United States of America, who seem to have a view of Israel that Israel should not exist. Congress, these are my words. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib out of Michigan, who placed a post-it note that said Palestine and put it on top of Israel when she first got in 
into office. Uh, people like uh, Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, who has spoken extremely poorly of Israel and has referred to Israel as hypnotizing uh, the world. Then you have Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis, who has uh, lauded people like Representative Rashida Tlaib and has uh, not only not condemned, but has uh, re- recertified or recommitted himself to his friendship with people like Louis Farrakhan. When you are dealing with members of Congress like that, how difficult is it to advocate for Israel's future? So, Tony, thank you for, for these comments. It is definitely disappointing and disturbing the fact that these statements are, are made. And I'd like to also say that, as what I mentioned before, this is a tragedy for the Palestinian people, because the people who are so-called pro-Palestinian and care about the rights and the future, the humanity of the Palestinian people, need to understand that by supporting Hamas, a terrorist organization that really hijacked and took advantage, they make the Palestinian people human shields in the Gaza Strip, that is not supporting the Palestinian cause or peace. It's doing the exact opposite. That's for that. But I would like to look at the other side and to see the many, many, many supporters of Israel's right for self-defense. We saw President Biden reiterating that message in his calls with Prime Minister Netanyahu, Secretary of State Blinken that emphasized that message. I also, Tony, visited the Grand Prix in Indianapolis a few days ago, which was an amazing experience. People I've never met before came to me and said, we support you. We support who's here supporting Israel. So for me, that is much more important than to see some people demonstrating in some squares. I think the real support the real people's support is with us, and we do our best to try and increase that support by talking to you today and talking to various other people around the Midwest. But the people around the Midwest, they're not the ones deciding whether or not there's a $758 million arms deal between the United States and Israel as just was approved by President Biden. They're not the ones who recognize that the idea of aid from the United States is not so much about dollars. It is about the hardware to be able to defend itself against a series of radical enemies. And if that should go away, Israel is in an incredibly hard spot. You're talking about people who have decision-making power over quite literally the opportunities for life and death in, in, in Israel. So is there ever a moment where you find yourself reaching out to these members of Congress like Congressman Andre Carson directly? Look, we do various things. Some of them are more explicit. Some of them are more quiet diplomacy. We try and engage with every way possible, through our allies, through our partners, through direct conversation. I'm not saying this or another one we talk to, but we try and engage with whoever wants to hear. And those who don't want to hear, it's unfortunate for them, because I think talking makes the situation much more clear. And we have so many allies in Congress, in the Senate, in the different houses, also in the local, in the states. And and this is the more important part. So we hear the voices that you mentioned before, which are disturbing and disappointing, but the vast majority from both parties, the Republican and Democrat, are clearly supporting Israel's right for self-defense. And we do everything possible to continue and to strengthen those ties with both members of parliament, members of Congress from both sides of the political parties. Sir, before I let you go, talking to Daniel Ashheim, Council for Public Diplomacy, Consulate General of Israel, to the Midwest. 
Will we see any of you're talking about the idea of trying to uh, uh, get to a ceasefire? There were 29 Democrats pushing for a ceasefire. You had Senator Todd Young of of Indiana and and a Democratic senator uh, asking for a ceasefire. You talk about what it would take to get to a ceasefire with Hamas. The question is, how close do you think you are? Look, we have an interest eventually of getting stability and quiet and calmness to the region. Israel does not like military operation. This is not something we began. This We were dragged into it. And of course, then we know how to retaliate and we know how to defend, defend ourselves. And we are negotiating with whoever is coming here. We have different envoys here. The United States sent an envoy to the Middle East to discuss it. And we are discussing with our partners and friends to find a way to ensure that it's going to be a lasting lasting ceasefire again as i mentioned before not that hamas will decide next month to shoot again but to make sure it's going to last for a long time daniel ashheim i I thank you for taking the time i want to stay in touch i want to make sure i know what's going on as it's going on we will be checking in with you uh and with uh the the consulate general uh as the days and weeks unfold always a pleasure sir thank you for taking the time much funny as we end the conversation with Daniel Ashheim what comes across the tan- the, the uh, transom Biden tells Netanyahu he expects significant de-escalation of Gaza conflict Wednesday meaning today I guess this week right funny he has the fight with Rashida Tlaib right there on the tarmac oh they had the fight and now you got this They had a detailed discussion, did Biden Netanyahu, of the state of events in Gaza, Israel's progress in degrading the capabilities of Hamas and other terrorist elements, and ongoing diplomatic efforts by regional governments and the United States. The president conveyed to the prime minister that he expected a significant de-escalation today on the path to a ceasefire. Well, that's interesting. You know, Joe Biden and his team, they've said a lot of really ugly things. They clearly have an, have an issue with how one needs to uh, handle these situations. And certainly, it's obvious that they don't believe at all in the idea that it's Hamas that needs to stop. Israel is the one that needs to do more. Israel is the one that needs to stop. Israel is always, always, always. Let me share you an example of an absolute falsehood from the Biden administration. Sorry about that. This from Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary. 
again, uh, I would say that we are not following the same tactics of the prior administration. Uh, we, uh, the president has reinstated humanitarian assistance uh, and security assistance to the Palestinians. That's something that was stopped back in 2018 and we felt was uh, not a constructive action by the prior administration. Aside from putting forward a peace proposal that was dead on arrival, we don't think they did anything constructive, really, to bring an end to the long-standing conflict in the Middle East. They didn't do anything constructive is so completely and totally radical, is such a lie. The problem is they didn't do anything that you wanted them to do and give Iran more power. They didn't tell Israel just to fold up and die. That's your problem. That's your issue. That's who you are. You can't believe that they would go about uh, saying uh, to Israel, you have the right to protect and defend yourself in the Trump administration. You can't believe that they changed the whole paradigm of the conversation. That's what the Abraham Accords did. The Abraham Accords said, instead of saying, well, you have to solve the Palestinian question before we do anything, said, hey, let's have normalized relations, and then maybe something will happen with the Palestinians. Stop making those people the reason you can't have peace. And those people isn't the actual people. Those people is Hamas, Iran, the terrorists. Why are we having to wait on them? And that's what happened. That's the value. Every rational person knows this. Every rational person. The Trump administration did great work, great work in moving things forward, in getting things done. Moving the embassy to Jerusalem, remember, oh, you're going to start a war if you move the embassy to Jerusalem. They already hate you. What does it matter? But show Israel... Show the world that they exist and that they're real and they have to be dealt with. And you can't just want them dead and they're not just going to go peacefully. That's what the Biden team seems to want. Everything is about a coddling up to, uh, to Iran. Every single thing seems to be about Iran and seems to be about how do we make things easier on them? How do we help them more? Why in the world would you want to help them more? For what purpose? Because they support terrorists. Don't you know this? Don't you understand this? Don't you see this? Can't you figure that one out? So it's a radicalness from the Biden team where they refuse to recognize that the way they do things simply don't work and the way that the Trump team did it may have worked or may have gotten you down the road because you need to do something different. Jen Psaki saying something despicable there and Biden demanding to see some ceasefire. Take out Iran, you'll take out Hamas. Almost think of it like a play in 
like a billion parts. How people are acting and reacting about masks and the information from the CDC and totally going against the information from the CDC when it fits an ideological agenda, which clearly was more important to people than the science of whether or not a mask could actually stop you from getting COVID. I mean, that's a mouthful, except that's what it is. It's theater. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure, guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Tony Katz. Let's start with the first part of the theater. This is Joe Biden. And I got to admit, I think people are purposely taking Joe Biden out of context here. But listen. If the unvaccinated get vaccinated, they will protect themselves and other unvaccinated people around them. If they do not, states with low vaccination rates may see those rates go up, may see this progress reversed. Ultimately, those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. The vaccinated will continue to be protected against severe illnesses, but others may not be. It seems that when this whole conversation came up of paying the price, like people wanted to take it as, oh, if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to pay the price. That's clearly not the context to which the president is speaking. However, it's a bad use of words. And by the way, you have no idea if they're going to pay the price. Many people have gotten COVID. They were down for a couple of days. They got back up. They were fine. Many people got COVID. They were down for 12 hours. They got up. They were fine. That's the great preponderance of America, may we add. So what an odd thing to say, you'll pay the price. Well, isn't this the same exact type of conversation going on about masks? We go to Texas, where Governor Greg Abbott has banned mask mandates from public schools and from local governments. Yes! 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 Now, there's a whole conversation about whether or not you're going to have kids wearing masks next year. And trust me, parents, if you're not prepared to start now on your school boards and saying, don't even think it, this isn't happening. If you're not prepared to fight them and if you're not prepared to gather a couple thousand parents together and say, we're sending our kids in, no masks, let the teachers do whatever they want. We don't care if they walk out of the classroom. Because teachers, I find, I got to admit, not every teacher is a problem, although I will share one with you. It's the teachers' unions that I'm always uh, having issue with. They're, they're, they think they're in charge, and they have to be told very clearly that they're not. The Abbott executive order makes it illegal for schools and governmental entities to implement mask mandates. Now, I'm a big fan of this. You cannot force people to wear masks. And one of the ugliest parts of America over the past 16 months is that we had governors say this. We can force you to wear a mask. Despicable, disgusting, and wrong. Modeling good behavior is a far different conversation than trying to force behavior. Forcing behavior in this case is ugly. The Lone Star State writes Abbott, continues to defeat COVID-19 through the use of widely available vaccines, antibody therapeutic drugs, and safe practices utilized by Texans in our communities. Starting May 21st, local governments attempting to impose mask mandates can be fined up to $1,000, prohibiting public schools from mandating masks after June 4th. 
Texans, not government, should decide their best health practices. And of course, that's going to create a riotous and calamitous conversation. What do we have health departments for? No one makes the argument that you shouldn't say, hey, meat has to be cooked to a certain temperature, otherwise you're going to make people sick. To say somehow that we are opposed to this is pretty radical indeed. The argument here is not, hey, we have a cleanliness standard. And if you're not, you know, washing dishes at a certain temperature to be able to kill the bacteria, we've got ourselves a problem. And you can make a lot of people sick. What we're saying is, is that the conversation about masks and masks alone has been one that has not only just been faulty, it's been a lie. Just like the lie of, of, of the leak. Oh my gosh, we were discussing a year ago that uh, the virus leaked from a lab in Wuhan. Uh, my exact words, my exact words were, I don't think it was weaponized. I don't think it was leaked as a way of, of focusing an attack, but rather, I do think that it leaked from a lab. People like Senator uh, Tom Cotton said this and others. Oh, they got vilified. Oh, conspiracy theories. Oh, my gosh. You're talking about leaking from a lab. What is wrong with you? Oh, those Republicans. They're just the absolute worst. Conspiracy. Conspiracy, says the Washington Post. Conspiracy, says the New York Times. Conspiracy, says whoever else. Now they're talking about the fact that it could have leaked from a lab. The U.S. funded that lab. No Chinese lab should be funded by the United States. Now, there's something to be said for keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer so you know what they're doing. There's an argument to be made there. But we funded this lab. We should not be funding this lab. Nothing should be funded from the Chinese. Don't give them our dollars. They use those dollars to hurt us. That's why you shouldn't buy products made in China to the very best of your ability. Don't give communists an opportunity to grow and thrive. That is, that is the weirdest, weirdest PSA I've ever given. I got to remind people not to give communists an opportunity to grow and thrive. Man, man, how far we have fallen. It leaked. Now people are talking about, hmm, oh, they may have leaked from a lab in Wuhan. If you had said that in April, you, 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 were, you were a bigot, right? You, you, you were adding to Asian hate. But now that, now that Trump's not in office, oh, yeah, you can have those conversations. Ain't that something? Masks have been a lie. A mask clearly stops something, but there is zero proof that a mask stops COVID. Zero. And they've known this for a good long time. This brings us to Dr. Anthony Fauci. I shared this with you yesterday. Man, you listen to this again. It is worse than it appears. How has it changed what you do? How has it changed your mask wearing practices? Well, you know, George, I'm obviously careful because, I mean, I'm a physician and a healthcare provider. I am now much more 
comfortable in, in people seeing me indoors without a mask. I mean, before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask because I'm fully man, I'm fully vaccinated. So when he was telling you, oh, I wouldn't go outside, I wouldn't gather with a small group, I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that without wearing a mask, he was lying. He knew the data said otherwise, and he did not tell you why he didn't want to send mixed signals. What mixed signals? What mixed signals? It would have been the, it would have been the truth. It would have been honest. Just like we know that the CDC is all about the political. Every bit about the political. You have this from uh, from Randy Weingarten, who's the, the head of the American Federation of Teachers or American Teachers Federation. I don't even know what, what, it, what it is. The CDC listened to a teachers union and how to put out the guidelines for reopening. So you call it normal, though, I guess the, in the write up of the post saying those two suggestions that you offered, at least your organization offered, make it nearly verbatim in the final draft. Do you call that normal as far as the ability to do that? Look, um, Pedro, we they asked us for language and we gave them language when they asked us for it. But if you look at the public record, I was saying these things publicly, these kinds of things. So there's nothing nefarious about doing these kind this kind of work. And- you wrote the language for this for reopening schools and the CDC used it. You don't think there's anything nefarious at play? Anthony Fauci and Randy Weingarten blowing up the idea the CDC has done anything to keep Americans safe. Remarkable and stunning and frightening. And you know who was on top of it from the word one, from day one, from the word go, maybe that's a a better way to say it. Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky. My question to him would be, did you just discover vaccine immunology? Did you not believe in vaccine immunology a couple of weeks ago when I asked you this? Or were you doing it for show? And it sounds like you heard him say he didn't want people to see him without a mask. The thing is, the science hasn't changed. We've known that when you're vaccinated, we've known this for quite a while, that you're not transmitting it and not getting it. We've known that for months now. But also vaccine immunology, if you believe in it, if you believe in the vaccine, vaccine that's what happens you don't have to wear a mask afterwards but realize they're still pushing this on our kids now because they're saying you have to have been vaccinated but kids who have not been vaccinated should be allowed to run track outside without a freaking mask Mm -hmm. they fired some coach in new hampshire recently because he wasn't making the kids wear a mask while running outside they're going to make these kids do it for another year so i'm glad some governors are pushing back kids do not need to spend another year in school wearing masks it there's no science to back it up. Yeah, it's- Honestly, I think he caught himself when he said freaking. I really do. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost positive that he caught himself when he said freaking. I would argue with Senator Paul in that we've seen in, in studies, as we've discussed with Phil Kirpin of American Commitment, 
that the difference between wearing a mask and not wearing a mask regarding getting COVID is a half a percent. That is not to say that he's wrong in his assessment that you don't have to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated. Of course, this is ridiculous. And of course, it was the administration pushing the idea of, yes, you do. Oh, you got to keep wearing the mask. Oh, you got to keep having it on. Oh, you're going to have it on for a while. Oh, this is how you keep people safe. What was the point of the vaccine? And then people said, well, where's, um, it's all stick, no carrot, baby. Where's a little bit of love for me for doing the right thing? Where do, where's a little something, something? And there's no nothing, nothing. There's nothing for you. And so now they've changed the tune and now they've changed the tune on schools. We took a virus and we made it political and we're still doing it. Oh, wait, no, let me take that back. They're still doing it. What are we going to do? Well, a couple of things. First, let's talk about the schools. Parents, tell your kids to stop wearing masks now. Tony, they're not vaccinated. Hey, look, you're asking me that they don't need to wear a mask at all. Teachers are vaccinated. We're good. We're totally, totally good. Send them to school without masks. What if the teachers get angry? Oh, you mean like this teacher right here in Wisconsin? Fine. I don't care if you're vaccinated, you little dick. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. There's other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should hear about how everybody talks about you. You're I don't a jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people You're talk a jerk. That actually happened. Calling him names, you should hear how people talk about you. You're a jerk. Because he's vaccinated and wasn't wearing a mask. This, by the way, is a great example of why tenure should not exist and teachers should be thrown out on the spot. Teachers' unions are too powerful. They need to be cracked in two. If you think this teacher should have a career in teaching, you're a fool. Fire the teacher immediately. And this is why it's up to parents. Parents need to be pushing back aggressively in doubled and redoubled measure when they tell you oh we we can't just be getting rid of of, of teachers no 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 what we need we, we need more teachers we just need to help this teacher through there's no help for this teacher teachers are going to be berating students for not wearing masks teachers aren't in charge tell the teacher who's too afraid to stop teaching go work at dairy queen There are some teachers who need to be tossed. Most teachers are pretty dang good. Teachers unions, they need to be cracked in two. They are the problem from beginning to end in both parts of this story. Thinking that they're in charge of the schools and then trying to get government agencies to do their bidding because they align politically. This has been eye-opening, guys. Absolutely eye-opening what's been happening. And I think that people need to do something with their eyes open. Just one man's take. And I will tell you, uh, sometimes you need to step away from all of this. I do this with Omaha Steaks. Food is a way I do a bit of escapism. You know me, it's sometimes a drink, it's sometimes a cigar. But with Omaha Steaks, because they're right there in the freezer for you, you just take them out, next thing you know, your family is eating great. The convenience is fantastic. And when you use promo code TONY, right, just put in TONY, T-O-N-Y, into the search bar, hit enter, boom, you're going to see the deals, like the Let's Go Grill Pack, which is the four butcher's cut filet mignons, it's the four boneless pork chops, the four boneless chicken breasts, the four kielbasa sausages, the, the, the sides, the scallop 
potatoes, the caramel apple tartlets. You also get some seasoning in there, which is terrific. And you'll get for free 12 Omaha Steaks burgers. Absolutely free and $20 off at checkout. And I've had the burgers. And I got to tell you, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. You got to check it out for yourself. Go to omahasteaks.com and put in Tony in the keyword search there. Right there. Right there's a search bar. Tony, boom. You will get the deal. 12 free Omaha Steaks with your order of that Let's Go Grill Pack and $20 off at checkout on your first order. So order big. Oh, fill the freezer. Make sure you have plenty of Omaha Steaks ready to go. OmahaSteaks.com. OmahaSteaks.com. Keyword, Tony. You head over to ToningCats.com, you'll see my latest, Indianapolis deserves better than Representative Andre Carson's Israel bigotry. And it's more than just a congressman from Indianapolis. It's Rashida Tlaib. It is the lies that are told by so many on this subject. And it's getting worse, of course. Oh, there were rallies. There was a rally in Indianapolis to free Palestine, in New York and in Los Angeles. I mean, these people are literally calling for genocide, and they think they're doing something good and decent. It's, it's, really, it's really awful. And there seems to be no end in sight. I mean, is this why Rashida Tlaib had a fight with Joe Biden right there on the tarmac? She greets him as he's getting to Detroit. He's checking out a, a, a Ford. He's checking out the, the new electric F-150. And they had, a, they had a fight on the tarmac. She refers to Benjamin Netanyahu as apartheid-in-chief. The bigotry is real, so check it out at TonyKatz.com. And make sure you get the podcast as well. This is Tony Katz Today.